Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Borky, is that a yawn? Are you yawn? Did you stay up too late last night watching doubleheader Monday night football? I tried. And like the old man that I have apparently become, I fell asleep. Could not make it through the end. Woke up during the post game and moseyed on over to bed. Hey, hey, Dad, would you explain to uh, young Mr. Borky, who feels old, that if you sleep till 10 o'clock in the morning, it's okay to stay up until 1? No. No, he'll, uh, he'll tell us about that in a second. That's, the, that's Hey, Dad's plan. That's how he makes it work, Borky. He, he doesn't mind staying up till 1 or 2 in the morning playing video games when he knows that he can sleep till 10.30 or 11 the next day. Yeah, see, I'm already three hours into work by then, just for the record. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> Giving everybody a hard time. Well, I don't really Mississippi. have a choice either. I mean, if I wanted to sleep in, I've got this uh, this little creature in the house that uh, does not let me stay up past 6.45 anyway. I usually am getting up, but even if I tried to sleep in, it ain't happening. Yeah, some people call it a child. Borky goes with uh, with creature. So there you go. Uh, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and shortly, Brian Haydad, if we can get things worked out with uh, his connection. And uh, we're glad to have you along. Ceasefire text line is open, as always. That number is 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. C Spire, well, you know they've got you covered. Lots of good stuff going on at C Spire. They're always asking the big question, like, why wait for the next device to get the device you want? Right now, you can get any iPhone $100 off at your local C Spire store and online at cspire.com. Hey, Dad, I was just telling Borky a second ago, your solution for staying up late is really simple. You just sleep in the next morning. I mean, I guess I get up at the same time basically every day, but sure. Yeah, I mean, you roll out of the sack at 11 regardless of what's going on, don't that, you? That That's what it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you make it through both games last night? I, I, I did. I stayed up and watched the uh, the end. I wanted to see how that uh, how that all panned out for Gostkowski. <clears throat> well, he, he ended up being the hero. Steven Gostkowski from, uh, what, Madison Central originally kicked at Memphis, was an outstanding kicker at the University of Memphis, uh, Steve Levy uh, dubbed him a future Hall of Famer during the broadcast last night, and then he missed three field goals and an extra point, and, uh, but then ultimately kicked the, uh, the game-winning field goal. One of the things that I have always liked, one of the things that I have always admired about the NFL, especially in contrast to college football, is what a great job quarterbacks in particular, but coaches as well do, with game management, with understanding how to run a two-minute drill, with understanding how to run a four-minute drill at the end of the game to try and bleed the clock, how to use their timeouts, when to use their timeouts. And we now have, in consecutive days, ineptitude at the highest level 
in terms of game yeah. management. What are these guys doing? Well, you know, you get a bonus if you bring timeouts to the locker room with you after the game, I guess. It's a plague upon our country. Whichever presidential candidate votes uh, puts this part of their platform of they're going to fix this, you can get my vote. I might I might even show up. And then some people were missing the point. They were saying, why aren't you calling timeouts to ice the kicker? It's like, guys, number one, you can't do that in the NFL. It's a 15-yard penalty. Number two, he should have been calling them minutes ago. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. It's almost like they think they get points for it. I, I, have, no, I have no explanation for why coaches are so bad at clock management. I thought you were allowed to use one timeout. You to can ice a use kicker. one. You cannot use one. You can't go back to back. Yeah. 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 I got you. But, but so so yeah. I mean, um, Titans get the win. Not quite a walk off. Uh, Seventeen seconds left. Goskowski hits a uh, a short field goal. Tennessee left ten points on the board and should have cruised to not only a victory but a cover in the game. They did not do that. Um, that's uh, the the night game in consecutive days where poor coaching decisions have cost a cover. If you are into that kind of thing, well, that does anything Denver, for you. Which in which case, congratulations on, on the big win last night. I love I love football, and I am very happy that I got to watch a game and a half last night. But the whole nine central kickoff thing is probably not conducive of a very. Yeah. Uh, well watched East Coast game, especially. I don't know how people stay up for that thing. That's it's it's just a once a year thing, though. I mean, they do the doubleheader. I mean, granted, yeah, they probably should start the first game at five and go five to eight or whatever, but it's just once a year. Here's a like fact Christmas. of the day. I mean, I guess it worked out because the Titans won. Ryan Tannehill gets paid in the year 2020 more than the entire Denver Broncos starting offense combined. Wow, what a stat! Mm. Mm. I will say this. Denver is going to get better offensively. They've got some pieces. I thought uh, quarterback play was pretty darn good. He's got pretty a good last night. Say what? He's got a future. I think he's he's a an NFL starting quarterback for a while. And Jerry Judy is going to be a star in the NFL. And Melvin Gordon is going to be a star in the NFL. And if you've got a quarterback and at least one, but maybe a couple of receivers that you feel pretty darn good about, and you've got a running back, you've got something you can build around. And obviously they're without Von Miller for the entire year on the defensive side, but their defense wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible last night. No, especially considering all the pieces that, that the Titans brought back. I mean, of course, they're going to try to pound the football because of who they have in their personnel. But, I mean, by and large, they were able to match up and, and slow Henry down. Now he had, a what was it, 120 yards or so. But it took a lot for him to get that. He was really held in check last night. Are they the really the going... Ball. I'm sorry, Hedy, go ahead. On the other side of the ball, if you talk about future stars, Jeff Simmons... There's another Ooh. MSU Bulldog that will be cash. That get, he'll be five years, $100 million pretty soon. Derrick Henry is on pace for 496 carries <laughs> on pace in the guys. regular season. 
And, and, and oh, by the way, he uh, he also had three catches. 34 touches in the game for Derrick Henry last night. I mean, they went with the, uh, the whole pay him, pay that man his money philosophy in the offseason. And the Tennessee Titans are going to ride Derrick Henry until the wheels come off. But, man, is he impressive. How, how many carries would you, did you say he was on in, in, in line for? Th- 31 carries a game over the course of 16 games is 496 carries. His senior year of high school, he had 462 carries. On a first down per carry. Yeah. Yeah, he had 4,261 rushing yards. Could you imagine? I mean, I guess I kind of got to play against somebody like Derrick Henry, uh, but still, like, poor 16-year-old little Johnny, you know, works really hard. Like, he's good enough to play on his high school football team, but that's where his career is going to end. And here comes and this he's freak. in the open field with Derrick Henry. His low game as a high school senior was 43 carries for 189 yards. Gracious. His high game, in case you're wondering, was 45 carries for 510 yards and six touchdowns. So he carried it 40 times a game in high school. Yeah. I mean, how many games is this? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 games. So in three less games, he had 462 <laughs> carries. Yeah. But, I mean, 30, 30 carries a game for an NFL running back, that is unheard of in today's NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Melvin Gordon, yeah, he was not exclusively the feature back in the game last night for uh, for Denver. They ended up leaning on him pretty heavily. But Phillip Lindsay got hurt, had only seven carries, and Melvin Gordon finished the night with 15 carries. I mean, I think Melvin Gordon is going to end up as the feature back for Denver. And we'll probably average, what, 20, 21 carries a game? And that's going to be 10 carries shy of what Derrick Henry's getting. I know he's physically built different, because he is. But still, he is a human, at least we think. We'll have to check to see if he needs his batteries changed anytime soon. But you wonder if that's mismanagement. That's kind of hot-takey, because you're going to win games running Derrick Henry 30 times a game. But you want him to be your back, and you gave him a contract that makes him your back for years to come. Even a guy what, like four him... four years? Yeah. Even a guy like him getting 30 carries a game, I, I mean, do you really expect to do that and, and him play out his entire contract with you? That's that's something I'd be wondering right now if I was Tennessee, is if we're overusing him. I think Mike Vrabel and the front office at Tennessee look at this as... We can get three big years out of it. I know it's a four-year deal. I agree with that. But if you can get this year and next year and the year after that and have him and, and look, I don't think he's gonna average thirty-one yards per or thirty-one carries per game. Surely they'll throttle that back a little bit, but it's not gonna be a lot. I mean, you certainly wouldn't be surprised if he averaged twenty-six, twenty-eight carries per game. And I think they're just gonna get everything out of him they can. They'll ride that horse until the horse won't go anymore, and then they will cut him. Sports Talk Mississippi. All right, the question on the board is this. Accident or calculated and intentional? 
surely by now, thinking back to the conversation that Brody Van Wegenen, the general manager of the New York Mets, was having with reporters about the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, and other hot mic incidents, people in positions of authority know if there is a microphone around, it is assumed, it should always assume to be hot. It should always be assumed that it is on. Further, if you are talking to reporters about newsworthy items, you can think it is off the record, but the reality is it's not off the record. If you are in a press conference setting, even leading up to a press conference, and you say something to reporters, just go ahead and assume it's on the record, one, and it's going to get out, number two. KETV, Lincoln, Nebraska. During a small talk prior to the start of a news conference this morning, University of Nebraska President Ted Carter says an announcement of the Husker football season will come Tuesday afternoon or evening. We're getting ready to announce the Huskers in the Big Ten football tonight, said Carter in a conversation with Bob Henson, director of the National Strategic Research Institute. The two were at a podium just moments prior to a news conference in Lincoln. Asked about the comments caught on the hot mic, Carter claimed that what he was trying to say was there's a lot of work going on to move in the right direction, and he hopes they'll have a resolution soon, and hopefully that resolution will be playing football. He said the they were taken out of context. Buddy, we heard it all. There's no Deb context Fiddlekey, been taken out of. Deb Fiddlekey is the chief communications and marketing officer for the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. And she had the following statement, when there is any news to share or confirm regarding any Big Ten board decisions, it will be announced by the Big Ten. Chancellor Green and A.D. Moose, Bill Moose, will comment at that time. The the video of him uh, checking his phone is just, and they put, somebody thankfully put the Curb Your Enthusiasm music over it. <laughs> It's just, it's just, it's just fantastic. Yeah, what an idiot! That little head shake when he when he scrolled oh through, he just goes, "This okay. man is the president of a university." But maybe not. What an idiot! No. So let me back up. Let me back up to my original question. Accident or calculated and intentional? Accident. Because this is something the Big Ten would want to publicize and get eyes on and everything else. They wouldn't Yeah, but you know how to bad, handle the PR. You I know, know I how mad Nebraska's been. I agree with all that. I'm just saying no, I don't I don't believe I believe that this guy just screwed up. That's what I believe. <laughs> so do you believe the announcement's coming this evening? I I've seen some other people say yes, I've seen some other people say no. I don't know. I don't know what's going to yeah, the, the chancellor at Wisconsin uh, today when talking about name, image, and likeness stuff um, on Capitol Hill, because that's important for them to be discussing right now, uh, say that they don't take votes that often and they like them all to be unanimous. Well, the vote to shut down was not unanimous. So does that mean that's- this one has to be? That's just one of a few dozen lies that were yeah. told on Capitol Hill today. More than usual. You think? 
Yeah, like Wisconsin. I mean, when the politicians were there. Yeah, when politicians were there, there's enough lies for everybody. But when you add college administrators to the list, there's going to be a few more. Yeah, she said Wisconsin isn't in athletics to make money. <laughs> I, I, I did this radio show for the hell of it, too. It's just so much fun. They just send me checks randomly. I keep telling them to stop, but they just keep doing it. It's called volunteer work. At they that offered point, me a raise, and, and, and I took it. And, and I, I just I don't want it because I don't want to make money. Oh, craziness. But I, I think it was just a mistake, too, because, I, I mean, why would you wait until this evening to have some weird rollout announcement? Wouldn't it be something that you're plastering everywhere that football's exactly. coming back? And I, I did see, I think it was a Penn State player put on Twitter that uh, he wished everybody would just stop because at this point um, he and his teammates' mental health is being impacted by the, get ready to play, oh, you're not playing. Yes, you are. No, you're not. And it's... It's causing all of them to be kind of stressed out. And it, the more they delay this, the more they put kick the can down the road, and the more they allow there to be misinformation or accurate information, but just a lot of stuff out there, it's hard for the kids, I imagine. I don't I think don't, so. They're kind of pawns in this it. game, aren't they, Hayden? Oh, yeah, big time. I just don't believe the Big Ten, which has screwed everything up for the last three months, just suddenly had an epiphany and be like, hey, you know how we could get some buzz? I, I don't I don't believe that. But, yeah, the players the players are, are the ones who are just – because think about it. If you're a player, right, okay, we're going to play. Okay, we're not going to play. Oh, we are going to play. I mean, that that's tough on your mindset, you know. Getting ready to play football, that is a real thing, you know. You got to start thinking. Okay, what do I need? Do I need to do? Start doing things differently. The things you do in working out versus the things you do in preparing for the season when the camp when camp starts are different. You know, yes, we are we are making these kids bounce back and forth, and it's not fair to them. I, I do think they will be able to press the gas pretty quickly because I they never so really have stopped practicing. Now it hasn't been the same practice as like game week preparation or you know exactly what you would do, but they've been going twelve hours a week. And they would have four weeks to get ready if they make the announcement tonight. October 17th is the date that appears to be the most likely start date for the Big Ten. So, yeah, that's a month to get ready when you already kind of started and went through the nuts and bolts of a fall practice leading up to the start of the season. You did that for a week and a half, and then you slammed on the brakes for a month, but you continued working out, keeping guys in shape, having light practices, probably not for the most part in full pads. I think there have been a few that have done that. But you've had helmets and maybe some helmets and shoulder pads practices. It's going to be really easy for them to ramp back up. Here's my question. We got the news either last night or early this morning that a defensive lineman for LSU who had opted out is now opting back in. He is going to play. We've seen a bunch of guys in the Big Ten who have opted out. Are we going to see some players in the Big Ten who have said, you know what, I'm good, say, you know what, I kind of love football, and I thought this was a uh, kind of a freak show, and I wasn't going to play in the spring, but since we're playing in the fall and we've got a chance to play for a championship, I'm good, I'm in, let's roll. We're going to see some of that? 
Ohio State sure hopes so. They hope Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade want to make that comeback. The question of them with them is going to be, and it's sort of the same question that LSU is facing. I don't think with Neil Farrell, but they're talking about Tyler Shelvin possibly coming back. Have they talked to agents already? Have they done anything that would put their check there? Oh, the boogeyman. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's something to consider. Well, they've definitely never talked to agents before. So. <laughs> well played. Well played. This is fascinating, though, right? I mean, Nothing so changes yeah. with the Pac-12, does it? No. because I'll give the Pac-12 some, I don't know if credit's the right word, but they really can't do anything. Their states are, are shut down out there. This isn't yeah. the same thing as Ohio and Michigan, California and Arizona. And on top of that, you've got the fire stuff going on that would make it difficult to do anyway. Yeah, I, 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 the Pac-12 is not coming back this fall. They're just not. The Pac-12 will be back in the fall of 2021. Maybe. Eh, possibly. Um, it, I think it was Peter Burns that pointed it out. Um, the fact that there is no pressure at all locally in the Pac-12 to try to find a way to play, I mean, the reactions are so different, right? I mean, forget the political pressure of things, but you had an uprising of fan bases in teams in the Big Ten. Yeah. Pac-12, nobody even cares. It's, are we going to get to a point where you don't even call it a Power 5 league anymore? They're, just, they're not on the same level as at least the Big Ten and the SEC. And the people around there couldn't care less, clearly. They haven't before, but they especially don't right now. I just continue to be amazed at the contrast between the way the Southeastern Conference has handled the entire pandemic and the return to playing sports in comparison to the Big Ten. I mean, these are the two leagues that that set the standard for how everybody else does it. And the SEC looks like they are playing chess while the Big Ten is playing, like, go fish. It's not even chess and checkers. I know I used that phrase yesterday. I said Greg Sankey could teach a master's class on the way he has gone about handling this. And there are some people that push back on that a little bit. But the bottom line is the SEC as a league has been in sync. Administration at the league level, university presidents and chancellors, athletics directors, and for the most part, coaches. They've all kind of pulled the rope in the same direction. And in the Big Ten, it looks like they're trying to pull a spider web. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Tuesday afternoon, great to be with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Our good friends at Mississippi Farm Bureau, Luke Johnson, co-host of the Eagle Hour, Super Talk Hattiesburg, Super Talk Laurel, and available on demand. Hello, Luke. Hey, guys. How's your Hurricane Sally Tuesday going on? Uh, I don't think in North Mississippi we're going to have much of an effect. What, what is the anticipated effect where you are kind of in the Pine Belt region in South Mississippi? Those things just kind of slowed down, and right now, if you look where it's located, it's kind of right on the Alabama-Mississippi line, creeping at like two miles an hour northwest. And we thought we were going to get you know a bunch of the rain today, but it just kind of slowed down and 
expecting for it um, to possibly land on the, uh, the Mississippi side. I haven't checked the latest, but yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of rain going to be tonight, tomorrow, through tomorrow. So uh, it, the thing almost looks like once once it makes land, somebody grabs the steering wheel and turn is going to turn it right back over Alabama. It's pretty wild when you see the projected forecasts about where it's headed right now. It really is kind of crazy. I mean, you think about a hurricane making landfall and generally working its way east, but usually it goes north for a while. I mean, this one, uh, that's a, a great description with the, the right-hand turn on the steering wheel. I mean, I'm not sure that Oxford, where I sit in north-central Mississippi, is going to get a drop of rain, maybe a little bit of a breeze, whereas Atlanta may get six inches and Birmingham may get eight inches. It's, it really is crazy. It is. Uh, Golden Eagles took today off. Uh, they planned that yesterday because they thought that it was going to come through, still planning for practice tomorrow, but I bet that gets adjusted with the uh, the creeping approach of, of Sally. All right, so um, obviously last week was an eventful week in Hattiesburg, uh, especially at the beginning part of the week when uh, we learned that Jay Hobson is out. Have things kind of chilled out a little bit in the last six or seven days? They really have. Um, Scotty Walden has been really proactive, had his first press conference last Wednesday, um, did a really, really good job with that. Um, seems like he's he's up for leading. I mean, it's bringing a lot of energy. Had a press conference yesterday, and, and really yesterday also he released a, a really energetic, upbeat video to the fan base. Um, and so I feel like a lot of people um, – you know, after as bad as it could get on uh, on the opening Thursday night of the season, they got a little excitement. Um, he has brought uh, several changes. Um, they were practicing close to three hours, and he has cut that down to a little under two hours, right at two hours, emphasizing not that we get uh, a maximum number of reps, but that we have the maximum effort in a fewer number of reps. They started off practice every day with something called Eagle Drill, where he will call out an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman to do best on best, or a linebacker and a running back, or a receiver and a DB. The whole team gathers around him at the 50-yard line, and it's really the way they get energy going for practice. And from every report and even what we've seen on social media from players and coaches, there's a buy-in. And I think that from the outside looking in, Southern Miss fans have seen that. And so, you know, they – Okay, we can we can salvage this season, and we may could have a you know a decent season. So there's a lot of positive uh, response to, to Scotty Walden being the interim head coach. I know we'll never know exactly what the conversation was like between Jeremy McLean and, and Jay Hobson and stepping away. But but do you think what you touched on a second ago may have kind of been the the overriding factor in why Jay Hobson? was willing to step away the way that he did, that, that he came in and, you know, Jeremy McLean has used the phrase a, a number of times, you know, he, he talked to me about what was on his heart. And and it's just, I don't know, it feels to me like maybe Jay Hobson w- was saying to, to his boss, I'm tired, I'm not feeling it, not sure how to get through to this team. Uh, obviously he had the issue where his, his father passed away earlier in the summer and I just wonder if maybe the energy that is necessary to run a program where you've got to be so incredibly invested, like 24 hours a day, if if maybe that wasn't there and just the shift in energy that you're talking about could, could be 
maybe kind of the 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 jump start that this team needs? I think it's both. I think, uh, as you just said, Coach Hop was dealing with some things personally. I think he was tired, and I, I feel like he did not want a program to tank where it still had an opportunity to to be for something to happen this season. So it speaks of not only who he is as a man, it speaks to how he views the Southern Miss football program. And of course, yeah, you never want something to take on your own watch. But he, we talked before the season. This was uh, you know the, the probably the deepest squad that he's had. And so he didn't want, in some ways, from the outside looking in, I think there's, there is an aspect to it. He didn't want the Southern Miss program with, with potential this year to tank, and so he graciously stepped aside. And I think that says a lot about who he is as a man. Um, Louisiana Tech coming up this week uh, had their game, what, canceled last week because of COVID concerns, were able to come back, I guess, after those quarantine periods end. Uh, how much of an effect do you anticipate – a limited practice time for a number of Louisiana Tech players to um, factor in on on Saturday. It's been a wild couple weeks in Ruston. I talked to Malcolm Butler today, um, the AD for communications, associate AD for communications at Louisiana Tech. You know they dealt with Hurricane Laura, and I don't think the people realize it. Laura was still a hurricane when it went through Ruston. That was like one of the only times he said in the history of the school where that had happened. So they had some disbursement in housing and guys like literally last week they had 38 COVID cases and they had eight to 10 guys out for injuries. So last week they had somewhere around, it was like 47 players available. It was somewhere around 38 or 37 scholarship and like 10 walk-ons. So Skip Holtz last week said they would get about 30 guys back. And that's, that's what it looks like. They got, you know, I asked the question today, do you feel positive about, you know, you can have a depth chart. And, uh, yeah, that's, they're, they're going to make the trip. Scotty Walden affirmed that. Jeremy McLean's affirmed that. But they really haven't had much contact practice in the last two weeks in Ruston. And, you know, of course, that plays into the Golden Eagles' favor. Um, and you just wonder how this excitement on the, on, you know, on the practice field and uh, the, up, the optimism would play out in, in X's and O's and, and first downs on Saturday night. How different is Southern Miss going to look offensively? So Matt Kubik is going to be the play caller, and um, Scotty Walden and he were the, collaborating together. Obviously, they were co-offensive coordinators, but Kubik will be the play caller. And with Walden's emphasis on tempo, he said it a thousand times in, in two press conferences. We're not going after yards. We're going after points. And we're not going to take our foot off the gas. And, it, you know, his philosophy fits him. At the same time, he's going to let Kubik run his offense. So I, I expect, really, Kubik, both of those guys think vertical attack shots. So I'm pretty sure that you will see a far more um, attacking and ferocious offense. And they're probably going to have to throw it to set up the run. I mean, he just admitted this press conference, they weren't very good on the inside being able to run the ball. So you know, if they come out through the ball five, six, seven times in a row to start the game, I wouldn't be surprised at all um, because of the efficiency of Jack Abraham. And, and that kind of goes against the pedigree of Matt Kubik, right? I mean, we talked with you about that before the season started, that, that he's a guy that wants to run the football, they're going to run the football more. But then when you go back and, and you look at kind of the coaching history when um, uh, when, when – oh, goodness, I just completely lost his name. Help me out. The head coach at Southern Miss, help me out. 
Scotty Walden? So, thank you. I mean, like, my blunt brain just blanked. If you go back what, and you look at Scotty Walden's past. What, yeah, I didn't know who we were talking about. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. So Kubik likes to run it, and we talked about that going into the year. Scotty Walden in the past has been, you know, aerial attack. And, and you think those things, I mean, usually the head coach has 51% of the vote at least. Kubik, I mean, he is an attacking guy. He wants to, he does want to run the ball, and he is a balance. But both of those guys are more attack oriented, even in the running game. I just feel like because of their inefficiency to run against South Alabama, they're going to have to run it in order. I mean, they're going to have to throw it in order to open up the running game. That makes sense. Certainly does. Thank you guys for just leaving me flailing, flapping in the wind, flapping in the breeze. I figured Luke was going to chime in. I don't know if we're talking Fedora, Munkin, Walden, Bauer. P.W. Carmody. Floyd, I don't know where you were going with that. Jim yeah, Carmody, W. Floyd was it. That's the name I was trying to find. Hey, All right, um, Luke. Richard, I know you're always interested in this. It's a good good crew for ESPN, too. It's a national broadcast. Uh, Dave Pash and Mike Billick going to be in Hattiesburg. There you go. Maybe the first time they've been together, uh, Pash was... I don't know. what They shifted things around last weekend. Uh, and so you had uh, Tom Hart with Mike Golick. So I thought Golick was fun in his uh, first trip back into the booth. So that's uh, that's good stuff. Maybe he'll eat another donut. That was pretty fun. Yeah. I don't think he's ever turned one of those down. (laughs) So He looks like he's lost a little weight, though. He has. Who who am I kidding? Neither neither have I. Never never turned down, especially a warm donut. Thanks, Luke. All right, guys. See you later. Luke Johnson on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at Super Talk Mississippi. Glad to have you, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Scotty Walden, that is the head coach at Southern Miss, just the name I couldn't come up with earlier. Scotty, don't. It happens. Borky, that's another sign of old age. Not just that you're tired when you stay up late the night before. Forgetting things that you should know, I've done that my whole life. Yeah. That reminds me, uh, Borky, don't ever let Richard get on to you about not replying to text ever again. I sent him a text last night. Still haven't heard anything back from him. So, What text did you send me? I sent you a text of like six. I don't want to talk about it on the air. but I didn't, Oh, right I after the show text. ended? Yeah. I saw that, and I meant to send you a response, but I didn't have a particular response ready at not the Not even a so. thumbs up, Borky, to let me know that he saw the well, text. See, I don't want the thumbs up crap. That That drives me nuts. When you send somebody a message and the response is like holding down the thing to where a little thumbs up comes up, not even the thumb up emoji, like where you put the thumbs up on the message, drives me nuts. It depends on what it is. If if you're saying, hey, I'll be there in five minutes, you can give a thumbs up to that. But when it's like anything that at least requires some kind of response to any level and that's what you get. And Richard, if you're if you're texting me right now, it looks like you're on your phone. My phone is actually at Ceasefire with doing some repairs right this second, so I won't see it until after the show. One of the beautiful things that uh, that Ceasefire provides is that on-site repair service. Usually, right. gets you in and out pretty quickly, or they will work with you on your schedule, just like Brian Haydad. Drop his phone off, go do the show, pick it up when it's all said and done. It's all I that feel, convenience. I feel naked, like it's, that's like an extension of my hand. It's I don't have it. I don't know what to do. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, interesting story here in the college football world. Ken Niamatololo at Navy 
is generally considered to just be like a picture of class. I mean, in addition to being a great football coach, you know it takes a certain type of person to uh, be a head coach at the service academies. But there was something that was bothering him, and he just decided to speak about it yesterday. And now he has apologized as well. Ken Niamatololo apologized for blaming the Pentagon for allowing Air Force to play for the Commander-in-Chief's trophy this fall. He argued that Navy, who's playing 11 games, and Army, who's playing 12 games, are playing full schedules while Air Force is only playing two games because the Mountain West Conference suspended play until the spring due to coronavirus. Niamatololo called the decision a, quote, military deal. He went on to say, where else in the world would you play for something of value and everybody's schedules are not the same? This is the number one thing we fight for every year, the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy. We're playing a full schedule. you got Air Force playing just two games? I don't think those people care. This is above us. This is guys at the Pentagon making decisions. I have no idea where they're getting their data from. They didn't get it from me, so they're not getting any football data. Like I said, nobody asked me. Are, are Air Force's two games against Army and Navy and that's it? True statement. Okay, I was about to say, it's like, otherwise, how are they competing? Okay, I got you. Yeah, I mean, the, you, you win the Commander-in-Chief's trophy, my it's understanding is, three, based on yeah. the combined record in the round robin. And so I was just like, if they're playing, you know, Colorado State or whoever, I don't know, Colorado School of Mines, that, that it doesn't wouldn't make a difference. I don't, I don't get it. But if you're saying, yes, they're playing Army and Navy, well, buddy, if they beat you in the Army, they should be the Commander-in-Chief trophy winners. Period. Yeah, and after the performance you churned out uh, a couple weeks ago, you probably <laughs> maybe, don't need to be maybe saying practice anything. tackling before the next game. I don't know. Yeah, I mean they share the same amount of touchdowns that Air Force has so far on the season, and Air Force has yet to give up over fifty points. Just throwing that out there. By the way, Colorado School for Mines, mm-hmm. the Ore Diggers, I believe, is their mascot. I believe that's correct. Uh, yeah, beautiful setting. For their football stadium, mountains off in the distance. So, Ken Niamatololo did an interview, not with the New York Times or USA Today or the Washington Post. It was with the Capital Gazette. And he said, uh, I should not have said some of the stuff I said, and I'm sorry I did. The Pentagon has nothing to do with this, and it was wrong of me to suggest that was the case. I that sometimes get myself in trouble by speaking my mind. This was an instance where I should have kept my thoughts to myself. You think there was a group of commanders that walked into his office to make sure that that was retracted? You know, you think that the Navy people probably be like, yeah! You know, it was probably some Air Force general who gave him a call. He's like, what's going on here? He had a call from the Secretary of Defense, you think? I don't know. Ken Niamatololo gets a little bit of a pass, right? And and does yeah. it, don't we, right, wrong, or indifferent, kind of take his apology at face value and he realizes... I shouldn't have said that. That that that, what, that statement that I just read, that's not a canned apology that a media relations guy wrote. He's like, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry I did. Just more My sports bad. and politics getting intersected. He's here, got some built-up capital for sure. No He's... question. No question. Sports Talk Mississippi, quick first hour. We've got a whole lot more with you this afternoon. We'll take a timeout. And we'll continue with the 4 o'clock hour right after this. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. 
Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and you. Ceasefire text line is open 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a Ceasefire business, internet, and phone bundle backed by real support. See how Ceasefire can power your success today at ceasefire.com slash business. Um, you see, there was a uh, sports talk radio host that took a big old swing at Maria Taylor because of what she wore last night. Yeah. And he is now fired? How dumb is this? Chicago's 670 The Score has fired on-air host Dan McNeil after a comment he made on social media about Maria Taylor's outfit. Tweet has since been deleted. And he um, he didn't like what she was out wearing. He, he basically said that the outfit that she was wearing looked more like something that a host at the AVN Awards would wear, which is adult video awards show, I guess. Yes. Talking about adult video stuff on this show a lot lately. Gosh. The tweet from Dan McNeil said, NFL sideline reporter or host for the AVN annual awards presentation. I mean, here's a uh, helpful hint (laughs) for the year 2020. If you're going to tweet something about somebody's appearance, don't. Doesn't matter who it is. No matter what, unless you're saying, "Hey, they look great." If it's negative, just just keep it to yourself, buddy. And it's it, not it, like what she had on was she, provocative or anything like that. It was that. not That's provocative. It. it was That's not like, revealing. It was not. Looks like something I would expect Maria Taylor to wear. She's pretty fashion yeah, forward. Yeah, it was. There was nothing wrong with what she was no. wearing. It was like a leather jacket I, off the shoulders with halter straps. She's I mean, you're gonna know a lot. You're gonna know a lot more about this kind of, you know, the terminology there, Richard. Well, your wife owning a boutique, yeah. you know. I I just saw her. I was like, hey, it's Maria Taylor. It's fun. Yeah. She's pretty cool. So my first SEC media days, um, you know, I'm 23, and I I used to think like all those people there were so cool, and <laughs> spoiler. I know alert. they're not, but I used to think they were. But uh, she she was really especially cool, so. guys like Dan Wolken. I know, right? Dennis Dodd and um, guys like that. Well, well Jordan Rogers, like, I follow that guy. Yeah, Jordan Rogers, big time. Me and I've hated him ever since. I mean, he just thought his you know what didn't stink, and I just couldn't stand meeting him. I mean, that was the most unpleasant ten minutes I've had with anybody in this industry. But the the Monday morning, wait, didn't he come on the radio with us? Yeah, that doesn't mean he was good to me. Oh, okay. Um, it was fine in the interview. Sure. I remember because, correctly. Maybe that's him on the text line always and, giving you crap. And that's what he does. I mean, when the camera's on, he's great. I mean, the guy was on The Bachelor. Let's not pretend he's cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway. so that's <laughs> an okay, dude. Just <laughs> well, not to Borky. He, no. He's not coming back on this show anytime soon. Yeah, I promise just, you that. He just pretended like he was so much better. You get that vibe from people. I, I mean, he just... You know, anyway. from Richard. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, but oh, I've been working geez. with him for a while, so I'm kind of used to it by now. <laughs> um, anyway, so the, the Monday morning, uh, I walk into the, the hotel uh, workout area, and Maria's in there running. And she had been at it for a while, 
and I go two treadmills over, and I start running. And I'm done, like, 20 minutes before I stop. But she got there before me, so I, I really busted my, you know what, so... I didn't look bad, but I couldn't take it anymore. I'm sweating, like, I'm thumping my feet, too, like, not even running anymore. And I finally stop and leave the the workout room. A couple hours later, I get on the elevator, and the door opens, and there's Maria Taylor. So I walk in the elevator and turn around, and the door shuts, and she goes, that was you in the gym this morning, right? I said, yes. She goes, I kicked your ASS. <laughs> I said, I said, you, you said yes. I said, yes, you yep. did. Yes, you did. You did. <laughs> so I've always liked her ever since then. She's really good. good. I mean, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I wish she had stayed on, on the SEC network because I thought she was great there. You know, I feel like, you know, we, 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 the, if you're an SEC fan, you sort of lost out because she, now she's doing the, these bigger, because she's, you know, building herself up and becoming you know a bigger part of what ESPN wants to do. I thought she was fantastic on SEC. Uh, was it SEC Nation or that they do every uh, Saturday? Yeah, she was great. Yeah, she moved out of that, and then Laura moved into the host role on there. And yeah. both of them have uh, careers that have been on a meteoric rise. Yeah. So, um, but this other guy, I mean. <laughs> The, the industry that we are in, the sports talk industry, there's a lot of, just for lack of a better word, losers in it. That just, they make their living doing stupid stuff like this, then they get fired, then they're back in some other market a few weeks later, and then a year from now they'll do something else that's dumb. I mean, the list is long of guys like that. There, yeah. there are places that root this on. Uh, I've learned over the Absolutely. last few years. There, there are places where they literally want you to say stuff that gets you headlines, no matter how stupid it is. Every, just everybody is looking headlines. for the next Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith, like just playing a character. You're not. You're not. You just. What can I say today that's going to get, you know, engagement? I don't actually believe it, you know. But what can I say? Yeah. And there are just some generally bad people out there. It's true. You, you you use the term loser, which probably was nicer, but I would just say you know well, just I, I, not. This is a family show, man. I, you know, if yeah. You want to tell the FCC to not listen for a minute? I'll give you a great great description of those people. I had something like that happen to me. Uh, so you know, when you're buying or selling a house, you deal with a lot of people. So I'm not giving too much away here. One of the people that I dealt with in the process of buying my house was the nicest person I've dealt. I mean, they were friendly and just. I had a great experience working with this person in the process of purchasing my house. Months later, I'm at Lowe's, and this person is a few people ahead of me at Lowe's. And they go to check out, and the card machine won't work. And the employee says, hey, look, our card machine's down. It's a hit or miss. I'm sorry. Do you happen to have cash? And this person just attacked the cashier. Do you expect me to have cash? I mean, come on. Do you know what year it is? I don't carry this much cash on me anymore. Fix your F-word machine. And she was like, I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, you could tell she was, I mean, borderline tears because this person was yelling at her. And then mm. a manager came up and said, hey, if anybody has cash while this machine's down, will you step in front? And then that's when this person really got mad. You're going to check them out ahead of me because you're incompetent and was just screaming at this girl. And so, I mean, ever since then, when we went to refinance, I didn't use this 
individual again because I got to see the the real person behind what I thought was a very good experience. And people are like that everywhere. As a man who spent many years in the uh, service industry, I can tell you I have I've seen it all. So no, nothing. There's nothing a person could do that would shock me in that situation. How many times did you get yelled at for something that is entirely not your fault? <laughs> a lot. I'll just leave it at a lot. Hey, Dad, you, you, you managed, what, pizza chain stores yeah. for a while. Yeah, um, 20 years. Was it really that long? 94 to 2013. Yeah, it's about 20 years. So yeah. in terms of like percentage of customer interaction that was positive versus negative, what would the breakdown oh, be? 85 to 90% positive. Okay. You know? And even in terms of like if there was a mistake, it was still highly positive because most of the time I you know, would just tell them, I'm sorry, let's fix that. What do you want to do? And they would just be cool with it. But, of course, and there's the, it's the 10% that stands out. Give me a great story. <sighs> okay. Uh, so this one guy, we used to stay open on the weekends for football games till like, 4 in the morning. I mean, we were open late. And this guy, he called at, like, 5 a.m. We've been closed. But you still have to answer the phone because you, you don't ever know. And this is before cell phones, so it's not like, if, you know, if my wife was wanting to call me, she need, you, need, you had to answer the phone. So I tell the guy, you know, we're closed. And he's just like, I don't believe you're closed. Like, we're closed, dude. Well, I want the first pizza you send out in the morning. I mean, he's just cussing and screaming. I mean, it's like, okay, what do you want? I was like, we're going to put it on a credit card? Yes. Great. Put it on the credit card. And I just left a note for the uh, the opening manager. I was like, I don't care how loud you have to knock on this guy's door, wake him up. And they said the next <laughs> day, the driver, the driver went out there and was just, just pounding the door. They said the guy came downstairs, looked at the pizza, looked around, and just said, the F word. And he took his pizza and went back to bed. I know so he what only time would you open like the next morning, morning after close? Okay. 10. So he had not gotten more than five hours of sleep. So, so, so 10, 20, 10, 30, there's a pizza on this guy's front doorstep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that you took his credit card at five in the morning. That's Absolutely. Awesome. I'm making sure we got that money. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. In as the COVID world turns news, a couple of things here. Ed Ogeron met with the media this morning, said most of his team has had COVID-19. Not all of our players, but most of our players have caught it. I think that hopefully they won't catch it again, and hopefully they're not out for games. Ask for further clarification. Ogeron said he didn't know exactly the percentage of players who have had the coronavirus. Hopefully, once you catch it, you don't get it again. I'm not a doctor. I think they have a 90-day window, so most of the players have caught it. We do feel like they'll be eligible for games. Maybe I should stop doing that. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not a doctor is the best line in there. <laughs> oh, Really? <laughs> Um, See, if he was a doctor, he wouldn't be getting money from Our Lady of the Lake. Per SEC Pro. <laughs> see what Morgan's you did laughing. there. He's, he's smiling there. I got it. Uh, see what you did there. Per SEC protocols, players who have contracted COVID-19 
do not have to be tested again for 90 days. There are people out there who continue to subscribe to the theory, and I honestly don't think this is full-on black helicopter stuff, that there were some coaches, maybe some really good coaches, really highly regarded coaches out there, who were very open to the idea of a lot of their players testing positive for COVID-19 early in the process. I'm not accusing, I'm not saying, I'm just saying that not having to test again, period, for 90 days after a positive, once quarantine is over, that's a pretty big window. And Ed Ogeron, with regard to that, says that he think it's going to help. It helps it. It's going to help his team. Something else that will help Ed Ogeron's team. Neil Farrell Jr., defensive lineman, has opted back in this season for LSU. And Ogeron said that he has been hearing rumblings that defensive tackle Tyler Shelvin might be considering a return as well. You don't really just float that out there unless either you're trying to send a message or you know it's a done deal, right? Or you're trying to make sure the NCAA can't trace all the contact he's had with agents and stuff like that since he opted out. Projected first-round pick, potential. About Shelvin, Ogeron said, we take him back and we want him back. If he doesn't come back, then we wish him the best. If not, like any member of our family, we'll take him back. No word that Jamar Chase or Kerry Vincent are planning to come back. He ain't coming back. Just going out on a limb there? Uh, call Call me crazy. Yeah. I mean, he went ahead and declared for the draft. So, yeah, he's out. Sure. You saw, I assume, Texas Tech, 75 players tested since positive. They started point, back. Since they started back. Um, and they've recovered. And so, of course, it's spun as if um, Texas Tech trying to play football is why they all got it, which is insanity and nonsense. But shouldn't that be a good thing? You know, you'd rather 75 guys not get it, but now that they have, knowing that they've recovered and they are healthy and clear to play a football season, that should be something that you're very happy about. That is great news, that 75 kids got it, and all of them are healthy enough and have been cleared medically to play football. That's a good thing. You know who didn't think so? Oh, of course. But he's not the only one. So Matt Berry at ESPN Sports Center uh, got into it on Twitter with Hey Dad's buddy Dan Woken. Woken said uh, in response to a tweet from Phil Meyer, 
According to numbers released by Texas Tech today, 75 players on the football team have tested positive for COVID-19. 69 have recovered. Nice. And six cases are active. There are currently 123 players on the team's active roster. To which Dan Wolken replied, this is straight up horrible. To which Matt Berry replied, horrible? How about great news that 69 of the 75 players who tested positive have recovered? Dan Wolken? Strong response here. You have brain worms if you think it's a good thing that their entire team got it. And then you want to hear a burn? Here's your burn. That very responded, I don't think it's great they got it. I think it's great they recovered. I don't think it's great when someone gets cancer. I think it's great when they beat it. I don't think it's great when someone is an addict. I think it's great when they're sober. It's okay to cheer recovery. Yes, sir. Mike. That's a true statement. Drop by Matt Berry. There you go. But. Boy, you know the same stuff's coming. Yeah, I thought our friend John Talty over at AL.com had a good tweet today, too. He said, a challenge Twitter has brought to journalism. You can't claim you're just reporting the facts when you then offer opinions on every story that pops up that clearly shows where you stand on the issues. Rather than pretending to be an impartial observer, own your bias. That's what we were talking about yesterday. We've all, we'll admit it, we've all been cheering for college football to happen. We want it to happen. Period. But we're not, we're not going to come out and say, oh, we're just talking right down the middle here. We're just reporting. You know, we're not, we're not going to do that. Some people are doing that. Yeah. I'm very excited to see this spin tonight. I, I'm, I'm honestly excited to see the people that have carried the water for the Big Ten over the last, what, eight weeks or so, uh, how they spin that the Big Ten was different in coming to the same conclusion as the SEC. I, I mean, the, the mental pretzel they're going to have to twist themselves into to try to convince everybody that the Big Ten deciding to play and the SEC deciding to play are different, and one of them's better. I'm so excited to see how they do that. Well, you know, the Big Ten waited on science. Science! That's <laughs> not really true, though. Oh man, I love I, that story from the Ohio State doctor today. Cracked me up. I mean, it's just because that's what everybody was saying at the time, and nobody was willing to listen. The doctor at the Mayo Clinic was immediately discredited because he is a conservative. That's how this crap works now. But that's what all these doctors were saying back then when the Big Ten cited this heart condition that they know nothing about, even though it's been known for decades. Um, and all of these doctors were trying to say, hey, guys, it, it's not what you think, and here's why. Nobody listened, and now suddenly... No, some people did. We did. Yeah, yeah, some people did. You're right. We did. But no, no capital J people listened. Or at least no people that fancy themselves as capital J people. Because it didn't fit their narrative. How about this story today from college football? Guy that covers Arkansas State. Arkansas State um, had to cancel their game with UCA this week. UCA has been such an inspiration in terms of we'll play ball, we're going to play anywhere, we'll go wherever we got to do. 
And Arkansas State had a uh, position group outbreak. It was not a team-wide outbreak, but a position group outbreak. And so they had to shut it down with UCA this weekend. So George Stoya, who covers sports in Arkansas, says, just got off the phone with UCA Athletic Director Brad Teague, who said Army called him 15 minutes after the Arkansas State postponement to see if UCA would come to West Point this weekend. Unfortunately, Arkansas State had to turn it down because it was, quote, too much, too fast, too far. And preparing for that offense, you need a little bit more time than this. Today is Tuesday. They would travel on Friday morning, I guess. I thought about this on the podcast. I don't ever want to see another football game scheduled for 25 years out. It's obvious they can do it year to year. Once we get through with the current round of contracts, year to year like everybody else. And shout out to Army. Their athletic director is posting anywhere he can, we want an opponent, somebody please come play us. I think they're on Craigslist. They're in the personals. <laughs> Jeez. Like, we're, we're, we're looking to play. And he framed it nicely. He was like, we have a disciplined football team that is all negative, and we're looking for a game. The release from Arkansas State said the reason was not the volume of total players unavailable, but rather the inability to field a safe number of players among the depleted position group that required the game be rescheduled. They are going to try and find a makeup date. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Take a time out and be right back. Forky referenced this a few minutes ago. Ceasefire text line, by the way, is open 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395 if you want to be part of the conversation. So the story came from buckeyextra.com. Another Buckeye site. There are a bunch of them. One of the authors of the myocarditis story says everyone misconstrued the data and it should actually be an argument in favor of football. Over the weekend, Ohio State Athletic Department head physician Dr. James Borchers was among those who spoke virtually to a Big Ten committee who was considering a return to fall sports. They were, of course, put on hold back on the 11th of August in the Big Ten's response to the COVID pandemic, but the lightning rod for them was this new information about myocarditis, a condition that includes inflammation of the heart. We don't know exactly what Borchers said to the committee, but it seems likely that myocarditis was part of the discussion. Borchers is a co-author of an Ohio State study from this spring that found four of 26 college athletes who had tested positive for COVID-19 also showed signs of myocarditis, two of whom displayed mild symptoms, two who were asymptomatic. The concern about myocarditis reportedly was an issue that helped tip the scales when the Big Ten decided not to play. The co-author of the study, Ohio State cardiologist Kurt Daniels, Dr. Kurt Daniels, told the Columbus Dispatch that he believes interpretations 
of the results and the risk of myocarditis have been misconstrued widely. He said he believes the study should have been used as evidence for a responsible turn to a, uh, return to athletic competition, not as a reason to pull the plug on the season. He was quoted as saying, I think we have a safe way to return to play. I hope that we will find a way to do so. So this may be off in the weeds a little bit. But this story from Buckeye Extra says, the OSU study used cardiac, uh, cardiac magnetic resonance imaging, which is much more sensitive than the echocardiogram and EKG that are typically used to test for myocarditis. Daniels was dismayed that the four positive cases dominated the headlines in the discussion instead of the findings that 22 showed no signs of the disease. But, Dr. Daniels, you have to understand that's not how we do things anymore. We don't look for good news. We only look for bad news. And apparently was even more perplexed that they thought this was a way to figure out who was susceptible to myocarditis. He said this, quote, My gosh, they found a myocarditis. There's no way we can play. This was his interpretation of the general reaction. They're putting it out there saying it's not safe to play. They're not reading the article. Or if they're reading it, they're just not putting their own they're just putting their own spin on it like it's not safe. It's actually the po- the opposite. We're saying we actually found this, but we know a path now to say it's safe to go back as opposed to having this uncomfortable feeling of not knowing anything about the actual risk. I mean, I didn't study journalism at Northwestern, so you know maybe I, I'm not as smart as this doctor, but I feel like this would be somebody that would know what they were talking about. Although they don't mention his voting record here, so maybe that changes things. Gosh, I can't! I can't wait for the Big Ten. I can't wait for that press conference where it's they try to be so they fun. try to sell me that bill of goods <laughs> that the medical advancements have gotten them to this point, and I, I, it's just going to be it's just going to be a, a, a wedding cake of crap. I can't wait. We're all they're all going to try to give us a slice of it. But that said, when Ohio State and Wisconsin or Penn State and Michigan tee it up, buddy, I'll be watching. Oh, heck yeah. No, I hope no they No question about it. Because yes. those kids deserve it, man. And it's good football anyway. Yeah. But is this okay. not just so... Like, you, you want to say, what are we even fighting? Yeah. I mean... You, you, all these people want to line up and tell you we are not, stop saying it, we are not cheering against college football. How dare you paint us in that light? Well, what the heck is it you are doing then? What What, what is it you were doing? We just care about human. No, you don't. What we just talked about. Own your bias. If, if, if you cared about it enough... You would have reported the initial story, and then when people who are smarter than you said, no, 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 you, you, you got that all wrong, 
You got it all wrong. See, that that's that's not the point of the study at all. The point of the study was to show it's actually safe. Oh, but four people out of 26 got it. No, no, we're, we're telling you that we know what to look for. We know how to test for it. We know how to make sure that we're not putting someone who potentially has serious symptoms in harm's way, and everybody else is good to go. That's That was the point of the study. Oh, no, you don't understand. Oh, wait, I thought I was the doctor. I thought I was the guy that was the co-author on the report. I thought. But I tell you what, why don't you tell me about myocarditis and what it means instead? Mr. Journalism Guy. If there is one thing I enjoy on social media, it's people trying to explain something to somebody and the person coming back with, you know, I have a degree in nuclear physics. I know how it works. Anything like that. So, yes, I'm all 100% here for those kind of of self-owning moments. But those people won't own the moments. Oh, no. What, What about... What about the claims that the president is the reason that football is not happening in the Big Ten? Remember those stories? And then we circle back to the fact that it's kind of the other way around. It's just just all... Upon further review... I really, you know, I forget who did the... uh... The, the look into Dan Wolkin's tweets about the Tennessee athletic director. I don't know who, like, event, or, originally broke that story. I know Clay Travis hit him pretty hard for it. But, like, I want to see the communication between sports writers and Big Ten officials where they, they basically said, we're canceling and we know everybody else is going to, too, so you might as well start getting that message out. Because they're out there. They exist. Yeah. I want to read those. Are the people who shut it down in the Big Ten, is there one of them, one of the presidents who voted against it, that's going to come out and they're going to say, can we just be honest? We really screwed this thing up. And we'll own that. We we screwed it up in the name of trying to do what we thought was right for the student-athletes. But I think if we're being honest, we kind of made up our mind what we thought was the right thing to do, and then we went and we searched for evidence to support what we thought was the right thing to do as opposed to really listening to medical professionals. We used medical professionals for what we thought was cover, And we messed this thing up. And I don't know if any of my colleagues are going to do this, but I'm going to stand here and own it. And I'm going to say I'm thankful for the opportunity to get it right. And I'm glad we're playing. Do you know how, wouldn't that go a long way in terms of, like, credibility and actual leadership? If somebody was willing to say, you know what, we made a really bad decision. And as uncomfortable it was, it's not fun for anybody to admit they messed up, but we think we messed up. They're not going to do that, though. Nobody's going to step out and do that. They're going to say, 
you know, we made the right decision at the time to postpone. And this was the right decision to start back because the information, they're going to throw out science. I told you a few weeks ago how my wife felt about these morons that throw out science. Because they don't know what science actually is. But new information is not science. (laughs) That's what they're going to say. In the poor and uneducated and dumb self happens to be the smartest, most measured and intelligent group in the room. Imagine that. And only because of patience. We're content to wait. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Some of those presidents and chancellors, I think, owe Kevin Warren and his family an extra Christmas ham or turkey to say, you owned that for us. So, Borky, in in summation on the weekend TV ratings, we talked about this. The, The Thursday night number was down, but it was still a big number. All of the numbers were still big in terms of the NFL draws more people than anywhere else. And the afternoon edition, what do they call it, the America's Game of the Week, the yep. Saints uh Bucks. Saints Bucks game. I was trying to say Rays. Saints Bucks game drew a really big number. That would have been an interesting matchup. Yeah. But Sunday night football on NBC was down mm-hmm. year over year. And Monday night football was down twenty seven percent year over year. Yeah. And that's still the preliminary number. It's gonna be better than that. Uh yeah. but but Still, it's going to be down. So you saw uh, the Fox afternoon window, or like the, the noon central kickoff window was up. The CBS one was slightly down. The game of the week was wa- way up for your high. Sunday night football was down. Last night, in part, probably due to one of the kickoffs being late, it's going to be down. So as with most weekends in the NFL until people suddenly got really interested in ratings. This is kind of how it it always goes. You're going to have some games that are up. You're going to have some games that are down. It's matchup and market dependent most of of the time. So after one week, I think that's a pretty standard viewing week. That's typically how it goes. Yeah, but I mean, we could also look at it and say, yes, the the ratings from a week one this year in comparison to week one a year ago overall were down. They were maybe not, maybe not a huge number. No, but probably if you combine across all of the different platforms, probably ten to fifteen percent down across the board, which is give or take. That, yeah. that equates to a couple of million people a game, mm-hmm. and that is a number that's not sustainable. See, this is the kind of conversation that I can I can handle. It's it's when people lie about it or, or or misinterpret data that they don't know what they're looking at. This is what drives me nuts. Like I again, I said this last week. I want to agree with you because I do think you are right. The people that say that the messaging has turned them away from sports, I think you are right. But when you use fake numbers or certain data points that are not the total number, well, then you lose me because you cry about fake news, but then you deliver fake numbers. Why is the U.S. Open tennis down 45%? Nobody's kneeling for the anthem there. 
So we're not applying context to anything. And that's what frustrates me. It's when it's not contextualized appropriately. I do think there is a messaging problem, and I think the NFL, you saw on CBS and Fox, the broadcast teams didn't really talk about it much. I, I bet you noticed that. They, they delivered on their promise of, once the football game's on, we're talking football. Yeah. But ESPN handled it differently, and I thought that was a mistake and something they need to not do moving forward. I agree. And you know what? Last night when, for the start of the second game, let me be clear with how I say this. I am not against the right to kneel during the national anthem. I don't agree with it, but I support your free speech to do as you wish. And I chose not to watch it. And the second they said, let's go to the PA announcer and get set for the national anthem. And the national anthem is always something that's been special to me, whether I'm watching it on television or in person. Never would I have thought I would have gotten to a point where I changed the channel. And it wasn't because I didn't want to hear the national anthem or whatever rendition of it. I didn't want to watch people kneeling. And so I just changed the channel. I flipped over to Golf Channel, watched a little U.S. Open preview, and about 10 minutes later I flipped back, and guess what? They were playing football. And at one point the conversation in the booth kind of went down the road where it was like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm out. And so I flipped away. Ten minutes or so later, I flipped back and watched football. Now there's some people that aren't going to do it that way. They're like, you know what, I'm out. If that's what they're going to talk about, if that's what the players are going to do, I'm out. And that's fine. But I still want to watch the games. And, and yeah, that's how Haydad's saying it. He probably doesn't even go the route that I go, which is fine. Do it however you want to do. But if you're going to show players kneeling or whatever, it's not that I'm against you having the right to do that. I'm just going to exercise my right to not watch it. And then when it's back to football, I'll come back and watch. And I'm completely comfortable with that. A lot of people that aren't comfortable with that, though. A lot of people. Ceasefire text line, good. NFL deserves to pay a price with political garbage. It's going to get worse if they keep it up. Don't Didn't watch a snap. You have more people at home due to not having fans in the stands, so you actually have to take that into account as well. I mean, small number of people. I mean, yes, I know 70,000 people is a lot of people, but in terms of, like, national ratings, it's microscopic. Um... Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. College football fix. Ryan Brown from Jocks joins us next. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Tuesday afternoon, 5 o'clock hour. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Want more fast and less furious? Switch to Ceasefire gigabit fiber and see what real internet looks like. No data caps, no long-term contracts, no cancellation fees. Learn more at cspire.com slash fiber. We are ready now to go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Our good friend Ryan Brown from uh, Jocks in Birmingham uh, joins us right now. Ryan, what's up, man? It's been a while. 
I know. I'm good, Richard. I thought you didn't like me anymore. Uh, it, that's Borky. It's not me. It's Borky. You know, he's uh, he's trouble. I've, I've heard this about him. He, he's debating whether to jump into the conversation. He's turned his studio light on a time or two, and then he just kind of bowed out uh, just a second ago. But... Um, Hey, what, what's what's your level of excitement right now after what we've lo- watched the last couple of weeks, just given that, I mean, a couple of months ago, we, we hoped, but we never, we didn't really know. Well, yeah, I mean, having anything, anything is exciting, because while I was very optimistic, obviously there was a huge unknown about this whole thing, right? I mean, nobody knew if we were going to play, how much we were going to play, what it was going to look like. I mean, nobody knew anything. All you could be is either optimistic or pessimistic. And listen, there were, you, you didn't have to look hard to find the pessimist. So I decided, you know, as, as I do with most things in life, I'm going to try to be as optimistic as possible. So I'm just happy we have anything. I, I've enjoyed what we have seen. Is it different? Absolutely it's different. I mean, the stadiums are empty, and that's one of the things I love about college football is when the game comes on and you can feel the atmosphere coming through the – through the TV, and you're not getting that. I, I understand it, but uh, man, that early slate this past weekend with Lafayette pulling the upset, Arkansas State pulling the upset. Um, I mean, I, I I enjoyed that. It, it's college football, man, and I just love the game of college football. I'll, I'll watch those games all day if you'll let me. And I did. I was in my basement for 14 hours. <laughs> do, do you think there's a point where not seeing fans in the stands in significant numbers is going to bother you, or are you kind of conditioned to it at this point? I'm kind of conditioned to it. I, I do prefer, and I know this is, I know this is, uh, I, I guess people hold different opinions on this, but I do prefer the piped-in crowd noise. For instance, um, and I think Borky is a Saints fan, right? Um, and I don't, I, you may be too. Right? He is. Um, kind but, of, okay. <laughs> but that that Saints Bucks game didn't have enough of the fan noise in it. Um, you know, as a long-suffering Dolphins fan, you know, Dolphins-Patriots, that's what I was watching in the early window, it had a lot of the crowd noise in it. You know, I thought Saturday night with Wake and Clemson, the uh, crowd noise, I I prefer that over what we got with Navy-BYU. I mean, it was cool with Navy-BYU to maybe hear some of the sideline sound, but I don't want that every game. I mean, you know, the atmosphere is part of the reason you watch games. I mean, I, I would... People people may not realize this, but I think a lot of people watch a game. If you had the exact same game played with a crowd or without a crowd, you'd far prefer the one with the crowd. Um, even You'll probably even stomach lesser football if the atmosphere is better. That just makes a better TV product. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's funny, if you contrast Thursday night, where the Chiefs had, was it 7,000 people or something like that, but they were spread out. And yeah. so it made the stadium not look empty. I mean, even some people is better than nothing at all. Well, and you know, that, the surprising thing to me about that on the Thursday night game was when Al Michaels said that that was no piped-in crowd noise. Mel's allowed 10,000, 15,000 people, however many were there. I mean, I know those Chiefs fans have a reputation for being a boisterous fan base, almost you know on the college level as far as the way a game atmosphere is there in KC, but um, it, it, it's a it, it it was uh, it was remarkable that that was all coming just from those people that were there. They didn't have any of the piped in crowd noise. I may be putting you on the spot with this, and if if you need to punt, feel free. But sure. we've talked a lot about this idea that some sports writers, people that cover college football, are kind of cheering against a season. 
And some of those people in particular have really pushed back against that idea. You got like guys like Dan Walken and Pat Forty who've continued to kind of peddle a consistent message. But then on a, on a different level, a guy like Stuart Mandel who wrote the article in the Athletic a couple of weeks ago that said, "I need to reevaluate how I am covering this. I'm not going to stop talking about COVID, but I'm going to stop talking down to people who don't think my opinion is right." But what's your kind of overall take on the way some of the national writers? who tend to lean in one direction more than the other direction, have covered the last six months leading up to the season? Well, I I think you understand this, doing what you do for a living, and and I certainly do, is I can say all I want, I'm not something, but if the public that consumes my product thinks I'm that, I'm that, right? So I I can say all I want, I'm not a jerk on the air, okay? But if the vast majority that I have. of listeners, <laughs> if the vast majority of the listeners of the Jock Trail Table think I'm a jerk, guess what? I'm a jerk. Whether I want to be or not, whether I really am or not, we operate. You know, you and I, Richard, and people that write for the Athletic or, or on ESPN, operate in the forum of public opinion, and what the public thinks about us determines our success level. Often determines what we get paid determines our promotions. I mean, if the public doesn't like you, generally you don't advance, or, or at least if the public doesn't pay attention to you. I mean, there are guys like, you know, Feinbaum and people like that that have made a living off, you know, making making enemies of people, right, and people not liking them. There's always the black hat. But if you don't have some sort of popularity, and, and that you know, you know, Feinbaum's a great example. You know Paul, Richard. I mean, yeah. do you think Paul's a bad dude? I mean, Paul's a super nice guy, right? Yeah, I mean he's but, pr- pretty chill, and but he, he's yeah. figured out a way to make it work. Yeah, I mean he made a living. Now he doesn't do this as much anymore. He kind of made a what's the opposite of the hill turn? I'm not a big wrestling guy, but you got the hill turn and the uh, hey, Dad, you're have to help. face turn. Yeah, yeah, the face turn. Paul kind of made a face turn not long ago. But look, <laughs> it's funny when they put two commas in your paycheck. How you're able to do that? <laughs> I'll tell you where Paul did it. I know this wasn't where your question was going, but Paul really kind of did it right after the 2011 tornadoes in, in, in Tuscaloosa and Central Alabama and East Alabama. He he kind of jumped to the forefront of helping raise some money for the victims and things like that. And I think people saw a different side of him. And it was right on the hill of the whole Cam Newton situation, which was probably the height of Paul's hill turn. Uh, he kind of made a face turn, but... You know, I mean, I think he's a good example. If you know Paul, um, Paul's, like you said, a pretty chill, nice guy. But people thought he was a jerk, and that's what he became. And, and he made it work. So, I, you know, that's a very long answer to what you ask. I know that. But I, I think if the general public thinks you're pulling against football, whether you mean to be or not, you're pulling against football because that's the way we make our living. We make our living in, 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 the, in the forum of public opinion. And you are yeah. what the public thinks you are. It's funny. I was reading Wilkins' column that came out just a few an hour or so ago. Oh, it's and I was like reading through it, and I was like, "Do you really believe this stuff you're writing?" Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how you operate like with this. Sorry, I am going to get you in trouble if I don't stop. No, 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 no. You're fine because I, I, I believe the same thing. Like I read it, and he talks about in that column, Ed Orgeron celebrating the fact that most of his team are bragging about, bragging about the fact that most of his team's like, go watch Ed Orgeron today. He's not bragging about it. In fact, 
it seems as though he's a little upset by it when he's talking about it and kind of confused by it and, 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 and just doesn't know what to make of it really. And then says, you know, I'm hopeful we're at the end of it. I mean, he's doing anything but bragging, but when you've got a narrative that you're continuing to hammer home, everything is, is molded to fit that narrative. Just so incredibly agenda driven, which is kind of how news gets covered, whether it's sports news or otherwise. Um, Quick thought kind of on COVID, but on a different terms, uh, or in a different direction. And we've only got about a minute and a half left. Yeah. Uh, When Alabama got back to school and Auburn got back to school, case counts spiked. Has that kind of chilled out a little bit in the state of Alabama? Yep, yep, it absolutely has. Uh, Really, at campuses all over. UAB has never been bad. That's the next biggest campus behind, you know, Alabama and Auburn of the the schools I think people would recognize. But uh, I was looking like at my old school, Jacksonville State, which has a student body of about 8,000. I just saw the athletic director. You know, they had had 250-some-odd, which is pretty big for 8,000, and it's down to 30-some-odd. Alabama and Auburn have both dropped off significantly. But the biggest thing is uh, DCH system, which is in Tuscaloosa, the Tuscaloosa, West Alabama area, and the East Alabama Medical Center system, which is in the Auburn, Opelika area, neither of them um, has seen any sort of influx and patient count from this. So even when those numbers were high, they were having zero impact on the local hospitals, which I think was huge, obviously. But yeah, just, no doubt. But yeah, beyond that, the numbers, yes, have come down. So closing bars apparently was a strategy that worked. As controversial as it was, it, it seemed to have worked. Yeah. Uh, certainly good news. Feels like uh, it is going to happen, and we are all grateful for it. Ryan, always enjoy visiting with you. We'll talk to you soon. All right, boys. Y'all be good. It's Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Appreciate Ryan Brown. WJOX in Birmingham, always a fun conversation. Joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line, favorites.com. Go with the home team, that is Mississippi Farm Bureau. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thank you for being with us. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. Maybe. Is college there, Football is Fix silence? is driven by... I hear by it in my ears. Is it not going out over the air? Not going out over the air. <laughs> Thanks, hey, Dad. I'm trying to help here. Yeah, I'm trying to help here. Uh, I'll just tell you that the, just uh, like it. So. the college football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Truck month happening at your local Ford dealer right now. That means great savings on the F-150, the Ranger, the Super Duty, and don't forget the Ford F-150 is the best-selling truck in America, 43 straight years. It is Tuesday. We've got all the games in the books, and now we will look to week two in terms of uh, lines. Oklahoma State, 22-and-a-half-point favorite against Tulsa. Oklahoma State didn't play last week, did they? No. No. Season opener. Season opener. Three-touchdown favorite and change against Tulsa. Pittsburgh is a 22-point favorite against Syracuse. So Syracuse coming off a 31-6 loss at home, or I'm sorry, on the road to um, North Carolina. Pittsburgh won big last weekend, didn't they? Yeah. Crazy. They they, they beat Austin P like 55 to nothing in a game where they... 
they agreed to shorten the third and fourth quarters. Who did they really? Yeah, they had the mutual agreement there. Like running clock? I uh, think they, they should just shorten the quarters to 10 minutes. Ooh. What's that extra You don't two see that. Do? And just do what you got to do there. I don't know if the running yeah. clock was going. I, I do know the other part of that was right. They honestly should probably do that more. You guys have been to the second half of many FCS games that should have been shortened by a pretty significant margin. Yeah. Um. Feels like a little bit of a big number. I know Pitt, uh, Syracuse has got all kinds of issues. But three touchdowns. I don't know. Baylor at home is a seven-point favorite against Houston. It's one of those games that just kind of happened out of nowhere, right? Yeah, so Memphis was supposed to be playing Houston this weekend. Is that right? I believe so. Memphis had to cancel. Baylor's game got canceled, and they said, uh, we're both in Texas, let's play. So that's exactly what they're doing. Maybe two other big programs from Texas should also make that determination. Hmm. Maybe. Sounds like it's not going to happen anytime soon. Well, because you got a scared athletic director. Oh, yeah? Hey, one side wants to play, one side doesn't. Have we gotten to the point where Texas needs Texas A&M more than Texas A&M needs Texas? Because what a reversal of fortune. Maybe it's not that they don't want to play. Maybe like deep down, Ross is like, eh, I think it'd be kind of cool if we played them. But we don't need to play them. And our fans are enjoying the heck out of being the ones that go, um, no, we're good. Thanks. We got Bama, Georgia, Florida, LSU. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Tennessee. We're good. That second to last one, one of those things is not like the other. But oh, I know. I, I mean, your, I just, your point yeah. is well received. What happened in the Big 12 last week would never happen in the SEC. And there's been some bad teams that lose bad games, but an entire conference playing the way the Big 12 did last weekend does not and will not happen here. And, and Texas and Oklahoma were the outlier. They both looked good in games in which they significantly overmatched their opponent, and they did what they were supposed to do. They rolled up big numbers in that game. But do you think there's something to that? Texas going, we want to play, we want to play. And, and A&M and, you know, Ross or whatever, they're like, no. Well, we did that. You, you saw no value in playing us. We'll play in baseball. We'll eventually play some basketball. Yeah, but we want to play in football. Well, okay, come join the SEC. Then we'll play. You were too good. You ran the show. You we we had to live in your shadow for a really, really, really long time. If that's not only be do we menta- not say what? If that's going to be your mentality, you probably should change the lyrics to your fight song. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, no, I that's that's altogether fair. But do you think there's something to that? I think you're exactly right. I mean, it would be an unbelievably massive, big event if they did a home-and-home. It'd be great. It'd be fun. I'd watch. Love to watch. Texas needs that more than A&M needs that now, though. Isn't that crazy? So, is there regret in Texas? Not publicly, because they'll never express it, but in hindsight, do they wish they joined the SEC? Give up the Longhorn Network 
give up controlling your league like a little puppet and join the SEC? Do they regret it? I don't know that it was ever an option. Oh, you don't think so? What would what would be the reason that the SEC picked up A and M instead of Texas? It was a cultural fit, and Texas A and M was looking for a landing spot. And I mean, that's that that was really with Texas A and M and Missouri both. That was a very delicate dance. And it was, well, we're kind of interested, and, yeah, well, we, we might be interested. You know, you, you let us know that you're interested, and we'll let you know if we get to a point where we're interested in you. And then it, you had a lot of backroom folks working on that. I think, I think Gene Stallings was one of the players behind the scenes that was kind of working on that. And R.C. Slocum was working on it. And, you know, the stakes were so incredibly high. I mean, if you're asking me, would I rather had Texas than Missouri? Well, of course. Oh yeah, here's of course how. Texas would have been a great. I mean, if you could have added Texas and Texas A and M, I'd been a fantastic oh, yeah. addition to the SEC. I don't think A and M was looking to do something with Texas though. No, I think they were no looking way. to get away from Texas. Uh, Follow up question: Do you think the SEC regrets Missouri? Hmm. There has to be some buyer's remorse there. There just has to be. They have they have really they had that, that little run there in football, what, thirteen and fourteen. But since then they've done nothing. They didn't give you the basketball power that you were hoping for. And they're they're really not much of anything in baseball. Thanks, Plus they're on Frank, NCAA hey? probation. Well, I mean, they're on NCAA probation. I mean, you know, it, there's just nothing they aren't bringing anything to the table except the T V eyes in St. Louis. And I mean, are they really bringing that many? I don't know. I still go back to the thing that, that Godfrey wrote about going to a Missouri game when the Cardinals were in the playoffs. And he was walking around the tailgate lots where everywhere else in the SEC, it's just other games. You know, you walk through the Grove and there's just TVs with games on everywhere. Other SEC games. But at Missouri, it was baseball. And the way he wrote it, he was like, this is the only place in the country where before a college football game, you've got people watching baseball. Yeah. I don't know that, certainly not publicly, I don't even know if privately you would get anyone to admit, nah, I don't know if we do Missouri all over again. You think North Carolina, especially now, North Carolina would have been a far better option? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wish they had not spe- Not just now. It was a better option then. Well, that too. But, yeah, I mean, especially now with what Mac Brown has done, just with the profile elevation of their football program, we could have used that. I just wish that it's, you know, we talked about cultural fit and athletic fit. I wish we had gone with a geographic fit and picked a team that's actually <laughs> in the East to go into the East. So North Carolina would have been a fine choice, yes. In terms of... Cultural fit, I still stand by the fact that Virginia Tech's the one that would have felt the most like everybody else in the SEC. I think there were issues with splitting up Virginia and Virginia Tech. Um, I don't know. I just kind of feel like Lane Stadium feels like it could be an SEC stadium. Pretty sweet atmosphere you. for a oddly configured place. From, from hold, my hold trip to, uh, to Kansas State, that, that felt very SEC to me. I don't know if that would have been a good idea or not, no. but it felt like I was in an SEC town. That's more north than Missouri is. It is, but, you know.
I, I get what you're saying, though. I, I'm sorry. I said that Virginia Tech would be the best fit. That's not true. The best fit is Clemson. Yeah. Without a in doubt. In terms, I mean, Clemson's an SEC town. Yep. I mean, I know they're in the ACC, but I, you get what I'm saying. It's an SEC town. It's an SEC stadium. It's an SEC fan base. It, it's SEC, and it's all football, and they love baseball, and they kind of like basketball when they're good, and when they're not, they get over to baseball season. Clemson was the play. Yep. I don't think South Carolina wanted Clemson in the league necessarily. Although I don't know that there would have been the pushback from South Carolina the way Florida might push back against Florida State. Sports Talk Mississippi. A lot of reactions from you on if the SEC expands again or maybe what they should have done. Greg and Nettleton says Oklahoma State and West Virginia are coming to the SEC next go-around. Mark it down, guys. Great show, by the way. Thank you, Greg. West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Hmm. I don't hate that idea. Not sure that there's any like super easy way to get to Morgantown. Alabama fans meet the couch burners would be something to watch. Need a whole 30 for 30 on that. That's Saban's home state, too. Hmm. Hey, Dad, did you make that trip to Morgantown years ago? No, I did not. I did not. But the funniest post in the history of the six-pack message board is about that trip. Oh, really? You want to go check that? Oh, yeah. I have a good friend from high school that went there. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, where all the students live. So not dorms, but like the off-campus where all the students live. You can walk down the street and like just like look into the windows and see that nobody's got any furniture other than like tailgate chairs and stuff. Because they all, at some point, have burned their couches and their tables. Geniuses. I mean, that is their winning tradition. They even, I mean, he used to to buy shirts like that you could buy in the school bookstore. And the football schedule would be called Couch Burning Tour 2012. (laughs) (laughs) They would have their schedule on it. Uh, here's one. Clemson is by far the best cultural fit, even if you take away the recent dominance in football that fits to a T, baseball, basketball, etc. Probably not going to happen with UL, uh, USC, but culturally, no doubt. Honorable mention, Florida State and Louisville fit that mold as well. Randomly, I've always felt Oklahoma State would work, maybe a bit odd, but would have been better than Mizzou. Um, yeah, I just... I, I don't disagree on the Oklahoma State thing. I mean, they're, they're opening a $55, $60 million baseball park. They've got the beautiful football stadium. Basketball sometimes is good, sometimes it's not. Man, I'm just going to be honest with you, and this is no disrespect intended, none, because I, I, I think the people are absolutely lovely, but Stillwater sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Wow. I mean, Stillwater makes... Starkville not look like fabulous Stark Vegas, but like Las Vegas. Wow. I mean, the the, the dining options in Starkville. Come and, and again, I'm not being I'm not being ugly. Again, fine people. I know some people that have been to school at Oklahoma State. Great experience. Unassuming. Unbelievably helpful. Great facilities. 
ask. It was like, hey, where do I need to go eat? And they're like, oh, you should go to this place. And they did cheese fries. They were fine cheese fries. That was like the whole menu, though. It's like, that is the place to go. It's okay. It's an interesting Couldn't be nicer in terms of people and being helpful and all of those things. Just, just couldn't be any better. But eh, culturally lacking a bit. Um, I don't know that I love Louisville as a fit for the SEC. Now, there's, a, I mean, how many city colleges? I know people take that to mean community college, but a college that's located like in a city, do we have in the SEC? Like that. Even even Vanderbilt is a little bit different because Vanderbilt's campus does not sit in the heart of downtown. It's like, okay, it's on West End, and it's kind of self-contained yeah. within that particular part. I mean, Kentucky's in Lexington, but Lexington's not, it's not as big as Louisville. No, it, it, I mean, what would the answer I mean, be? Knoxville's Columbia, big. South Carolina would be the... I mean, Lexington's big, Knoxville's big, Columbia, South Carolina's big, Nashville's huge. But you still, even in Columbia, which is a place I just don't like, even their game day around the stadium, I think, is the worst in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that still feels like you're in the area where the campus is. You feel like you're in in a college area. You know what I mean? I've been to where Louisville is, and it, you, you just kind of feel like you're in the city. And that, I don't know if that matters or not, but that doesn't fit like the feel that I've gotten in the SEC towns and stadiums and stuff that I've been to. Louisville was cool because Churchill Downs was there and Louisville Slugger was, you know, a few block, couple yeah. of miles away. In terms of campus, no thanks. No thanks at all. I mean, at least at, least at Kentucky, it feels like there's a campus proper. Uh, I, I don't want to get to this. Um... I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I challenge you to find a clip of y'all talking Ole Miss or state football between 4 and 5 o'clock in the past two weeks. Well, I'm not going to go back and listen to the, you know, 10 hours of the show to find you the clips when we've talked about Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I feel confident that we have. I know for a fact that on a daily basis we're talking something related to Ole Miss, something related to Mississippi State, in pretty much every hour of the show, maybe not every hour of the show every day. I will tell you this. Neither Ole Miss nor Mississippi State is giving an iota of access to their fall camp. There is no going to practices. There is no in-person press conferences. We've got some Zoom calls that are happening once a week. And some players. We brought you some of that audio. Some of it, frankly, is kind of boring. I listened yeah. to all of it, guys. They it's say not nothing. And that's and okay, but they don't, don't say anything. I don't know about Ole Miss. We talked to Leach on Saturday. We haven't talked to anybody since. We talked to some people tonight. So maybe tomorrow I'll have some stuff. To, but what do you want me to talk about? I haven't been to practice. We've broken down the schedule every possible way it can be broken down. We've talked about all the opponents for both of them ad nauseum. And we've been doing it for six months. And the reality is right now there are actually some really big stories as it pertains to college football. And I'm going to tell you what ultimately we're trying to do. 
we're trying to do a, a relatively entertaining radio show. And some days we succeed and some t- days we don't. And maybe we're missing the mark. Maybe we're not doing enough Ole Miss Mississippi State. But I cannot be convinced that a majority of the people that listen to this show give a flying rip about the backup nickelback competition in Oxford or in Starkville. I just don't think that many people care about that level of minutia. If you want it, there are places you can get it. We kind of do big picture stuff. And then you know what we do after that? Once we get to games, once we get to stuff, we break every ounce of it we can to the point where it's like, okay, is there anything else that we missed to talk about? And we do that with football, and we do that with basketball, and we do that with baseball. So I'm sorry if you don't think we're talking enough specifically about Ole Miss and Mississippi State. We're just kind of doing it the best way we know how to do it. Yeah, And this same person said, well, talk about John Rice Plumley's improving passing ability. And it, you may not have known that nobody has access to practice or anything, but we don't know if he's improved. And we've told you that there's talk about how Matt Corral is going to be the starting quarterback. But nobody knows for sure, unless they're at practice, and none of us are. So I would love to be able to tell you if John Rice Plumley's improved as a passer. But I haven't seen him, and nobody else has either. But the word is, and it's just the word and nothing more, he's not going to be the starter. But we don't know that for sure, because Lane Kiffin doesn't tell you anything, as he shouldn't. And nobody's allowed to see practice, as they shouldn't right now. Because even though Mike Leach kind of gave away that K.J. Costello is going to be the starter, Ole Miss and Mississippi State both Wait, have... Hey, hold on a second, Jose. Hey, Dad said that's not official yet. (laughs) Not official. Yeah, K.J. Costello starting for Mississippi State. But there's no reason for Ole Miss to to tell you anything about the quarterback battle. What they're doing right now by not telling anyone anything is the right strategy because now Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham at Florida have to assume that either one of those guys is going to be the starting quarterback, which means they have to do double the preparation because they're very different guys. And Ole Miss's offensive philosophy changes based on the quarterback. It's not like they're the same guy and it's the same offense, they just got to pick one. It's a style that they have to choose. So Grantham is having to spend every single day preparing for both in two different offenses. So we're not going to know, and we shouldn't know, Who's performing better in practice and who's going to win the job? There's the grapevine word, but you can only take that with a grain of salt because that's all it is. We're not going to know until they take the field, I think. So I can't tell you if John Rice Plumley's arms improved because I haven't seen it. And nobody else has either. I would love to, but they're keeping it close to the vest. And it's the right thing to do, but that's what they're doing. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We are glad to have you along. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.